Thanks for tuning in to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from our lead pastor, Pastor Eric Capelli. Well, I'm ready to preach the word to you today as we talk about real relationships again. We hit up the guys. We hit up the ladies. We had Ms. Brenna come, and she talked about the LGBTQ plus community. But today, we are talking about the children. We are talking about not only little children, we are talking about children in general or youth. So really, if you hit the age bracket of maybe 35 and under, I need to hit you guys up specifically today. Now, there are points to be gleaned for the young people, but if you are a parent or a grandparent here, there are things for you today as well. Hold on to your horses and fasten your seatbelts. Because as we speak about children today, I want to ask you a question. I want to know from you today, do you view children and the youth of today as a problem or are they a partner? And before you leave today, I hope that you do view them as a partner, but I'll get into more of that as I preach to you this morning. I want to start off with a famous Quote, what is happening to our young people? They disrespect their elders. They disobey their parents. They ignore the laws. They riot in the streets inflamed with wild notions. Their morals are decaying. What is to become of them? Ladies and gentlemen, these words were not spoken last week somewhere. They're not from the 1960s or 70s. They're not from the 1950s. These words are from Socrates. And what I want to say is there is nothing new under the sun. When it comes to young people, they have been doing the craziest things ever since the dawn of creation. And guess what? It's not going to stop. Young people are going through a developmental time in their life that is crazy. The hormones that go through their body, the new experiences that they are having, it is an unsettling time of life and development. However, instead of seeing it as a problem, because that's my biggest pet peeve in life, if things keep repeating themselves, why are we acting shocked all the time when they happen. Let's get to the point of realizing that young people need guidance. Young people need people that believe in them. Young people need people that, that, that invest into their life and believe that God is not done with them. See, when young people are viewed as problematic, it suspends them in an adolescent stage which hinders them from personal growth civic responsibility, and spiritual authority. However, when young people are seen as partners, they become effective in contributing to the well-being of their home, their school, and their church. One of my biggest pet peeves is the following slogan. Young people are the church of the future. No, they are not. They are the church of now. Now. I am thankful for my own pastor at the age of 12 years old that he didn't treat me like a little child that didn't know anything. 
He invested into my life. At 14, when I received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he didn't just let me sit there. He said, hey, you, come, come with me. Come with me. Let's pray for people together. Let's, let's believe God. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And so in that, I have developed this mindset, and, and, it, and it does, it bothers me. It is not only a societal mindset that is negative towards the younger generation. The church has ridden along with this. Oh, these young people, negative, 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 a bunch of negative Nellies. Young people are the church of today. Young people, if you're young and you are here, if you're 35 and under, raise your hand this morning. If you were ever 35 and under, raise your other hand this morning. Hey, there you go. And we're all in this together. Each and every one of you are part of the plan of God. If you are sitting here today and you are five years old or you're 55 or 105, do you know that God has this divine plan for everyone? God, the God of the Bible, is on a mission. He always has been and he always will be. But his plan includes young people. Acts 2.17. As the Spirit of God was poured out on the early church, on those that were in the upper room, they fulfilled the very prophecy of the prophet Joel in the Old Testament that says, in the last days, I will pour out my Spirit on all people, all, A-L-L, your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. And there is something about this text that I love. Because I know that we talk about in, in the societies we're in about churches and businesses that have a mission and they've got values and, and they want to get somewhere. But people, our mission, even our mission as Bethel, New England, never trumps the mission of God. It has always been within the heartbeat of God to use men and women and young people to demonstrate the power and the glory of his kingdom. And all you have to do is enter into that. But church, we have a responsibility. Young people, if you're here today, you have a responsibility. It is not just up to me. It's not just up to older people that attend here or people that you consider ancient at this point. Yeah, my kids will say that. Oh, dad, you're so old. I was like, wait, there was a time in my life I was not considered old. And everyone I run into, they always say to me, oh, you're so young. My children, no, I am like severely old at this point. But again, amen. I'll give you an amen. <laughs> I want our young people to know today that Bethel is a place for you to grow. Bethel is a place to launch you into the things that God has for your life. And for those that are part of this community, it should be our objective to bless them, pray for them, believe God for them, give them a place to work out all of the developmental things that they are going through without judgment, without shame, without condemning them. I remember growing up, even in my church, at one point the youth were gathered there on a Friday evening and some of the youth, they were playing in the youth area and we had a piano there. All they were doing was playing the piano, an older man who took care of the building, he was getting all upset and angry at them. How dare you, what are you doing? The youth pastor said to them, and he said it very nicely, he said the man's name, he said, why are you getting so uptight? 
This is their space. They're not doing anything wrong, and you need to calm down. See, we forget that sometimes. A church is not just about a bunch of older people having creature comforts in a building and acting a certain way. A church is the place where families and people can come together. Sometimes it's a little rowdy. Sometimes it's a little messy. Sometimes it doesn't go the way that we think it's going to go, and we should be okay with that. There have been churches I've been in too, and I've told our people this. I think it is good to hear the cry of a baby. During a sermon, when a child cries, and in the beginning, and even in Holland, people would always be like with their children, shh, 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 crying babies are the sign of a healthy church. Come on. Crying babies, little kids who get upset in a church service, that is a good thing. Come on, I would rather have them here than anywhere else. Parents should never feel uncomfortable bringing their family to church. They should know that they are welcome, and this is a place that's going to believe in them until Jesus returns. So young people, I want you to know something. When God built you, when he made you young, when he made his design for you to grow, he built you to last. Psalm 127, three through five says this, children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. How joyful is the man whose quiver is full of them. He will not be put to shame when he confronts his accusers at the city gates. People, my wife and I, we had made the decision to have kids shortly after being married. Our pastor had invited us over with a bunch of other young couples, and at that table, man, they were, they were wicked. I don't want kids. Kids are a disturbance. Oh, when I have kids, I don't feel like dealing with them. And our pastor was shocked at the time of like, they're just their attitude, just like vomit about the idea of children. After that meeting, my wife and I were about six months into being married, and we just said to one another, we believe that children are a blessing. And we made that decision, and within nine months after that, our oldest son was born, followed up by his brother and then his sister. And we've had so many moments with them because children are not only a blessing to me, my children are a blessing back in return. I remember one day we were at this funny ball pit. You know how you have those indoor play areas? And this little boy was being really dumb, and he took one of the plastic balls, and he took it, and he hucked it at me. All of a sudden, I saw my boys, their faces turn bright red. They both had a ball in their hand, and they went, boom! They smacked that kid right back. <laughs> that is what this scripture is talking about. That even when your adversaries come up against you, your very children are there for you. See, there is a power and grit in the next generation. They are loyal. They know what they stand for, and they believe it, and they're willing to risk their very lives to do that. You were built to last, young people. Don't let anyone tell you different. How do you last? Number one, be a blessing to your parents. If you're a little bit older here today and you still have older parents, realize that you are to be a blessing to your parents even as you and your parents are aging. Proverbs 23, verse 32. 
As a pastor, oftentimes people have said to me, oh, well, pastor, you didn't do this or you didn't do that for my mom or my dad. I said to them, you're a believer. Your children are believers. What are you doing for your own family? It is scriptural. Did you know that? Do you know that the Bible says that Christians should take care of their own family members? Oh, but pastor, it's the church's responsibility. No, this is not just a building and an organization. We are the church. We are the church. It is our responsibility not only to take care of our parents, but also if we have living grandparents and great-grandparents, we have a biblical obligation to them, to bless them. See, it's not all about me, 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 the very people who watched me, the very people who loved me, the very people who prayed for me. There is a time to give back to that. Another thing that helps you be built to last is learning to be learners and willing to listen to instruction. Proverbs 1.8, with the technological developments in our society, we have generations of know-it-alls. Know-it-alls. People graduate from universities and they think that they know everything. I'm gonna give you a hard reality. You do not. Yes? Because you saw it online and read it in a book, you have no clue. There are people that have gone to medical school and guess what? You learn in the textbook, you learn on a dead body, but there is nothing like cutting in to a living patient on that table. Oh, but the book said that the heart is here. And then you open someone up and their heart is over here. It doesn't always go by the book. And that is why experience and learning from those that have gone before you is so important. Young people, I know that our society says you know everything. Please realize you do not. Be willing to listen to others, listen to feedback, listen to correction. Stop being thick-headed. Honor and obey your parents. Exodus 20, verse 12. Do you know this is the only one of the Ten Commandments that has a blessing with it? It says, honor your father and mother so that you will prosper and it will go well with you all the days of your life. Do you know that is a very biblical, scriptural, spiritual principle? Honor your mother and your father. Oh, nowadays, we don't like to say those things. We don't want to say, honor. no, you honor. I honored my mother. I honor my mother, my father. A strange relationship, but I honored him. I honored him as he died. I honored him as I did his eulogy. I honored him as I preached at his service and I honor him in his memory still. Honor your father and your mother. Some, we don't like that. Oh, well, my parents, this or that. We'll get on that in a moment. How do you break that? How do you do something about it? Honor your father and your mother. The way that you speak about them is important. I hear children and young people, even older people, talk about their parents with such disgust and disdain. How dare you? Even if they were the worst parents ever, Honor your father and your mother. The Bible does not say, oh, I understand. Honor your father and your mother. Make lifetime plans that will benefit your family for generations. Deuteronomy 7, verse 9 through 16. 
We try to tell people your decisions are your decisions. No, your decisions are not your decisions. Do you know that your decisions influence not only other people, your decisions influence generations to come? Oh, no, they don't, Pastor. Oh, yes, they do. The number of generations we have seen, family line after family line, racked by addiction, alcoholism, cheating, gambling, swindling, lying, the list goes on and on and on and on. My decisions have nothing to do with anyone. Your decisions either bring blessing or cursings to generations to come. That is why for the young people here, you need to understand that the things you do have eternal consequences. They go even beyond you. You don't only live for now, you live for tomorrow. You live for the generations to come. You were built to last. The second thing is you were also built to steward. For young people here, you have been given responsibilities, God-given talents and abilities. 1 Peter 4.10 says the following, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. How do you use these God-given talents and abilities? Well, we're going to get really practical in a moment. Number one, contribute to the well-being of your family. 1 Timothy 5.4. Do you know one of the largest injustices in our society is we are raising generations of entitled, spoiled brats. And then we tell them, you think you're privileged and you think you're entitled. Who did that to them? Who do we have to blame? If you are a parent here and your children do nothing to contribute to your household, you are doing your children an injustice. Do you know the number of young adults that we come up against? They know nothing about money. They know nothing about finances and saving. They don't know about debt. They don't know things basic. How do you put air in a tire? How do you change oil? Come on. How do you fix a light bulb? Let's keep going. They don't know how to cook. They don't know how to clean. We're teaching them astrophysics at school, and they don't even know how to flush a toilet. Come on. Our priorities are messed up. And we've got to allow children to contribute to the home. Even doing simple chores from young ages helps develop responsibility in them. Do you know the number of parents we've heard? They say things like, well, I, I don't want my kids to load the dishwasher because they'll break the dishes. And we have expensive dishes. Well, then buy cheap dishes, please. <laughs> Buy plastic dishes, honestly. Let your kids wash. Let them spill water on the floor. Water, it cleans up nicely. Oh, but my children, if they cook, they might cut their finger. Good thing there are Band-Aids and stitches. Come on. Oh, but if my child learns how to cook on the stove, they might burn themselves. Yes, but guess what? They might not learn how to cook for the rest of their life. Teaching basic life skills to our kids, giving them responsibility, even within the context of church. We have young people at church, and I say all the time to our children and youth leaders, let the kids and let the youth do something. I'm looking around at a bunch of older adults in their 60s and 70s, sweeping floors and moving tables, and we've got young people sitting all around. I'm sorry, that vexes me. 
How dare us? How dare us as a society think that our children should not do anything? Our children are responsible. They can do it. I've seen children do it. Children can handle way more than you think you can. Now, yes, I am not talking slave labor here. For our young people, be a good steward. Make right choices in life, work, and marriage based on the Bible. Galatians 6, 7. Do you know that the choices you make, they will influence your life? When you're young and you're in elementary school, you're in high school, do you know those choices are important? When you're in college, do you know those choices are important? And I am not talking about grades only. I am talking about character development and social development and spiritual development. You are a developing individual. And if the people around you are not treating you that way, they are doing you an injustice. You are a partner in society already. You know, one thing that I liked is when our children, when they were born in Holland, and the same goes for children born in Scandinavia, you receive a special package from the local government. And they give you something. They welcome your child into the world. Why? Because they realize that one day that child is gonna be a taxpayer for the rest of their life. So they're like, welcome, welcome to town. <laughs> Welcome to our country, because you're going to be working to build this. And I think it is a smart way of being that we realize that our youngest, even our very youngest child, is a contributor to the growth and development of the kingdom of God. So young people realize your life matters, your job matters, your schooling marries. And let me be very specific in the culture we live in. The person you marry matters. Come on. Christianity, you know, we've, we've done really great at sending people to the mission field, the wrong mission field. Yeah, we call it missionary dating. Oh, well, they're an unbeliever. They don't know Jesus. Come on, people. And if they are an unbeliever, what are you doing to lead them to Jesus? See, parents, they get all bent out of shape. Their child brings home an unbeliever. Ah, casting demons out. <laughs> I don't want that person at my house. I can't believe it. No, you should be praying. Let your child talk about it. Be praying behind the scenes. The Lord is doing something there. Pray and believe God. But young people, who you marry matters. Please keep that in mind. For the ladies here, if he's not treating you correctly, dump him. Oh, well, I didn't see that. Oh, yes, you did. For the guys here, well, I didn't see that in her when I was dating. Oh, yes, you did. If the signs and the writing are on the wall, get rid of them. I'm serious. Oh, but I love them. Love, yes, love is very nice, but commitment is something different. Love and commitment go hand in hand. Lastly, develop your character and your talents properly. James 1.17. Young people, do you know that God has made each one of you unique? Do you know you're not like someone else, meaning you are your own individual person? And that means that you are special and you are precious, but the talents you have are unique to you. Well, people are all competitive. They're jealous and they're envious. Oh, well, this person, 
They're smarter than I am. They speak better than I do. This person does this better than I do. Stop it. Own you as a person. Be proud of who you are. Be confident in who you are. It doesn't matter what skills or abilities you have. Take the skills and abilities you have and use them for the development and the glory of God, whatever it is. <laughs> Lastly, not only were you built to steward, you were built to enjoy. Young people, have fun. Seriously. Relax. Do you know there's a big world out there for you? If you are living in a little micro world, and even for the parents that are here that you're trying to keep everything under this protective little hub, as your children get older, their world should get bigger. Their responsibilities of letting them do things and letting them explore, and I mean healthy exploration. I'm not talking about stupidity. Yeah, I'll get, I'll get into that in a moment. 1 Timothy 4.12 says the following, Don't let anyone despise your youth, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct and love and faith and impurity. The Apostle Paul was faced with a dilemma. He had this young man, Timothy, who was pastoring his church in Ephesus, but Timothy started to get intimidated by other people. He was nervous in the service. He wasn't confident in his giftings and abilities. He wasn't enjoying the pastorate. He was actually hoping to get out of it. But Paul said, don't let anyone look down on you. Be an example, dude. Enjoy, relax. Timothy was uptight about things. The poor guy, he was trying to do his best. He was trying so hard that he was drinking the local water because he didn't want to drink a little bit of wine, and he was having tummy issues. Yeah, there's nothing worse than your stomach being upset before you preach. He had tummy trouble. Paul says to him, dude, ease up a little bit. Drink a little bit of wine. You'll be okay. It's all going to be all right, buddy. Ease up. Easy, 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 easy. And as much as young people don't have any responsibilities or very light responsibilities, the pressure and the anxiety they feel is mounting. They're timid, they lack confidence, they lack that kind of launch ability. They, there was a great movie, Failure to Launch. Young people were meant to be launched. This summer, we're going to be taking a trip. We'll be on the beaches of Normandy and France. World War II, young American and Canadian men, 16, 17, 18, 19 years old, storming the beaches at Normandy to liberate Europe from the power of the Nazis. We couldn't even conceive of that in our generation, that we would even expect that. And young men at that time lied about their ages. 16-year-olds were saying they were 18 and 19 to be able to fight for the honor of their country. We need to get something back, people. We need to reclaim the partnership that young people once had within our society, within our homes, within our churches. So when it comes to enjoying, enjoy life and explore healthy freedom. Ecclesiastes 9, 11, 9 through 10. It says, enjoy your youth, but realize when you're older, you will give account for the things you did, meaning there is healthy freedom. 
Do you know that young people like to be wild? Do you know that it's okay to be wild? There's a good wild and there's a bad wild. And the wild that people like to do is they like to go probably a quarter mile down the road and then they want to be hanging out in a bar or some youth club and people are drinking, they're vomiting all over the floor, it's disgusting, they're popping all kinds of pills and then parents say things to them too like, oh, drugs are bad for you. Well, they don't feel bad. Do you know that's the biggest deception? People say, oh, don't do drugs, don't do this, it feels bad. Most of the things that are not good for you, they feel good, yes? The chocolate cake filled with sugar feels great when you are eating it, yes? Doing drugs for some people for the first time feels awesome! Having sex feels great! But there's a context for it. Young people learn to explore the world out there. Learn to develop skills, learn to see new things, learn to help and build your talents and abilities. Go for it. Fly high, fly long, fly far, and do it, do it, do it. And parents, don't clip your children's wings. Let them fly high. Let them fly to heights you have never flown to before. You could say, Pastor, why are you saying that? Because I have heard parents say, well, I didn't graduate school. My kids don't need high school, they don't need college, they don't need this and they don't need that. Listen, in the day and age we live in, and I'm gonna be very frank with you, a university education is comparative to graduating high school in the 1970s. A bachelor's is the basics of education now at this point. It sounds hard to say, but it is reality. Parents, encourage your children to be somebody. Encourage them to get somewhere because if you don't believe in them, who else is going to do that job? Learn to enjoy God, Psalm 37, verse 4. For the young people that are here, do you know that serving God is enjoyable? And if it's not, you might be doing something wrong. Because as a young person going to church, I thoroughly enjoyed my time as a youth at church. I enjoyed the things of God. I was active and doing all kinds of ministries, and I was having a blast with my friends. Enjoy the Lord. And lastly, learn what you say yes to and what you say no to before you're even confronted with difficult moral decisions. Titus 2, verse 12. Do you know sometimes our young people, and if you're young and you're here, when you are saying no or yes to things, in the moment you are doing that, it's usually too late. You need to predetermine for yourself how you are gonna react to things. See, I come from a family where addiction runs rampant on both sides of the family. I had predetermined as a young man, and it wasn't because of a drug prevention program, it wasn't because of a stupid skit people did, it wasn't a sermon from my pastor. Through life experience, I thought, I know that drugs feel good to people. However, they are highly addictive. And because addiction runs in the family, I am not touching it ever, ever. And I didn't say I wasn't touching it because I was better than that. that. That wasn't my attitude. I did not believe I was better than any of it. I knew that I was susceptible to addiction. And I said, I'm not doing it. 
it's not gonna define my life. I determined when I was in high school, I said, I will only date people who are Christians. I am marrying a believer. Were there non-believing girls that I went to school with? When I broke up with a long-term girlfriend, were there other nice, smart, and beautiful girls at school? Absolutely. Did I have a little crush in my head? Absolutely. Did I do anything about that? No. Because I didn't want to be with an unbeliever. You've got to make your decisions ahead of time. You've got to determine what you want your life to look like and make decisions that go and build that life that you want. If you don't do it, no one is going to do it for you. Young people, if you are here, ask people around you. Aim higher. Ask them advice about things. Get to know them. Get to know their stories. For couples that are here, even young married couples under 35, ask the people in our church about marriage. Ask them about life. Ask them about raising kids. If you're single and you're here, ask other singles in the church or ask people who are one single for some time, hey, how did you manage your life? How did you make the choices that you made? If you're going through a divorce or you've been through a divorce, ask people who have gone through that very process. You are not alone in life. There are many that have gone before you. Ask their story. Let them share with you. Learn from them. But lastly, for churches across the United States that are aging, we need to understand that we have an obligation to raise up a new generation. The young generation is not here to push you out, but to push you up. The young generation is here to push us further, further than we could have ever been. One of my biggest blessings of pastoring this church is working with our younger pastors. I love young 20-year-olds. Teach me. Teach me your ways. They're not rude, they're not mean. There are things I absolutely don't know. And they teach them to me, but they also say to me, can I sit with you? I wanna ask you questions about the things that I don't know. And do you know we learn from those environments? And I want Bethel to be that kind of environment where as a community, we are willing to learn from one another so that we can jump higher, fly longer, and be better than we've ever been before. Young people, you are the church of now. We bless you. We're grateful that you come to Bethel. You put in your talents and your abilities. We're blessed when you make decisions to get baptized, respond to the altar, to help in our ministries, to serve. These kids are great. We bless them. They are very much a part of what God is doing. Let's take a moment to bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we're thankful that you have given children and youth to not only the world, but given them to the church. We pray that you would help us also be good stewards of every single young person and young adult that's here. Lord, we thank you for the babies that are still in the womb, to the crying babies that are with us. We thank you for the toddlers that learn how to walk here at Bethel. We thank you for the children that run around the sanctuary and the foyer. Lord, we thank you for the youth that laugh at the tables and the cafe. Lord, for the young adults who 
are figuring out you and figuring out life, but they keep worshiping you anyway. Lord, we ask that your blessing would begin to flow over their lives. Lord, the power of your blessing, let it flow over Bethel. Let it flow over a new generation. Lord, we need a touch from you again. We need a touch, and our young people, they need you. In the world in which they live, they need you, Lord. They need your presence. Shower your love over them today. I'd like to ask the altar team to come and make their way. If we have any youth, people that help with our youth ministry, if you could also come, just make your way to the altar today. If you are one of our young people and will kind of hit the maximum age of ascent, 35 and under, it's not necessarily an altar call of come to the altar, but if you are 35 and under this morning, we want to bless you this morning. That's all we're gonna do is bless you. We're not gonna give you advice. We're not gonna tell you what to do. We're not gonna pray any other prayer over your life than that the blessings of God would be poured out over you. I'd like to ask anyone 35 and under, if you could just leave your seats this morning and begin to make your way to the altar for the young men. You're gonna pray with the men, for the young ladies, with the women that are here. And we're gonna believe God for you this morning. And don't be shy, come on. I want you to come because we believe in the blessings of God here. If you're older than that age range, just begin to extend your hand and begin to pray. If your family is not represented here, whether it be your children or your grandchildren or great-grandchildren or nieces or nephews, I want you where you're sitting to just pray in this moment and believe God for the blessing over your family. May the power of God move over you today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Bethel New England Message of the Week. Make sure you share this message with a friend or family member to encourage them today. Head to BethelNE.com to stay up to date with everything that's going on at Bethel New England.